Um, hey, if you have a Bible, and I want to encourage you, if you don't have one, to grab one. There's some in the, uh, under the seats uh, for some of you, or grab your phone or tablet, whatever you may be on the Bible app. Um, you just sang a song um, that says, I lift my eyes up. That's what we just sang. That's coming from the Psalms, and we're in this series called Summer in the Psalms. And today, uh, we're going to jump into Psalm 121, which is one of my favorites, uh, but it's also one that's just a great reminder for us, right, in our life as we walk through different circumstances and different situations and the things that go on in life, and it, it's just a great reminder, right? So let me, let me ask you this, like, who's the person that you would say that you know the most? So maybe it's your, maybe it's your husband or your wife, maybe it's your kids, maybe it's your parents, I, I don't know, but who's the person that you know the most? And like if we were to put the two of you up here and start asking you, you know, that old game show where you're trying to see who knows the most about the other person and who would win that, and we kind of laugh and joke, but the, the reality of it is it's an important thing for us to, to think about in our life, not the person that we know the most, but here, take it to, I mean, we're in church, right? So how well do you know God? How well do you know him? Because at the end of the day, right, um, the more you know him when you're singing songs like we just sang that says, I lift my eyes up because I know my help comes from you. There's a statement of confidence in that. It's a statement of confidence. And, and so I think about it like in, in my own, in my marriage, right? The more that I know my wife, the more confident I am, right, in her and in our relationship together. And the reality of it is the more that you know God, the more that you work at cultivating and developing your relationship with God, the more confident that you're going to be able to, to say some of the things that we sing along the way, even if things aren't going exactly like you imagined they would. Right. So think of it this way, right? When you get to know God the way that He wants to be known, and I... I think about that, and maybe a lot of us don't really realize that, but God wants to be known. He's revealed himself. I mean, he's told us in Romans 1 that he's revealed himself through everything that's been made, so you should be able to just walk out there and, and see the things that have been made and, and get to know him a little bit. But then we just celebrated communion, and we celebrated the fact that he, he loves you, I mean, passionately, so much that he would send his son Jesus to come into this world. And so when you think about it, like when you know God the way he wants to be known, I do believe it changes everything. See, one, one of the hard things about going on mission, on a mission trip, we all should live on mission, but one of the hard things about going on a mission trip is that you begin to see the world a little bit differently. And I went on my first mission trip about 10 years ago. And, and it really change, it changes you. Because... For, for a lot of us, a lot of us, we, we have an, an American version of Christianity. Let me say that again. For a lot of us, we have an American version of Christianity. And when you step out into the world, and, and you don't even have to go overseas. Now, we were down in Ecuador. Now, we live, we live near Hilton Head Island, and you live in a place that if you go down there and you see these um, these amazing homes that are built on the ocean. Any of you kind of walk down the beach from time to time, you're like, man, I'd really like to have that house. And if you don't, then you're probably lying to yourself. Just throwing that out there. You walk along the coast of Ecuador, 
I was telling my wife last night, one of the fun things that our team got to do is, is we ate pizza a lot while we were there. We did. We did. We ate pizza three times. We consumed about 200 slices of pizza, I think, in one night. I don't know if that's total. I can't remember. But I was telling her, I said, the way that it works down there is you have a house. We, we ate pizza on somebody's porch with a dirt floor. Don't, don't like think of porch like you think of a porch. Um, dirt floor, they had a pizza oven. They made pizza in this wonderful potato thing that was delicious. And then there's a dirt, muddy road, and then there's the Pacific Ocean. It's not quite what you think. I mean, it's amazing. But we have an American version of Christianity. And so when we're down there, uh, we were down there and we were talking, we're getting the team ready, we're talking about how we're going to teach, and you know, we're going to teach a little over 600 children during the week, and then we had a chance to share it at another event in an evening where I got the chance to share with about, um, I don't know, 100 and something people that were in a room that watched um, a, a, a movie, and then I got to share the gospel with them, which was amazing. One of the things we struggle with is how, how do we talk about God in a way that's not an American version of it? So how do you talk about God? And we're gonna, I'm, I'm telling you a little bit of what I'm wrestling with as we get into this, this psalm. Because what happens is, is in our American version of Christianity, like we've, I mean, let's just all admit for the most part, most of us in this room, and I know some people are struggling through some difficult things, but um, we really do have it made. I mean, I've, I've joked in the past, like I would love to have that Jeep Wagoneer that some, some of you drive. I'm driving a 2007 Hyundai Santa Fe that somebody gave me because the engine blew up on my truck last year. The gas tank, it stays open. Um, the air conditioner may or may not work. The fuel gauge doesn't work. So there's a lot of it, but you know what I'm saying? But, but guess what? My, tr- my car's been sitting for a week and I got in it this morning, and I turned the key, and it started, and I made it here. And, and there's a lot of places, I mean, honestly, probably more than half of the world doesn't have a car. We have a very American version of Christianity. So, so when you look at Psalm 121, which is a, a, an amazing, it's like eight verses, it's not, a long, it's not a long chapter. But when you look at it, and you begin to see, oh, wait a minute. How does, how does this work for, for me, like, in where I'm at? And then how, how, do I, how do I talk to people who don't have an American version of Christianity? How do I talk to them? So we were, as a team, we're, we're, talking, we're, we're talking about the story of Samuel in 1 Samuel 3. And we're talking about, you know, Hannah praying and wanting a son and wanting a son and wanting a son. And God answers her prayer. But then we started talking about prayer. And you can't make a blanket statement that God always answers your prayer. We know that God hears you, but He doesn't always answer. At least the way you want Him to. So we're down in a culture that's not an American version of Christianity. We're in a culture where uh, prostitution's legal in Ecuador. Um, we're also in um, this surf village with, that some would refer to as a modern-day Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, we're in a culture where um, there's unspeakable things that happen to children at the hands of adults who might be praying to God for Him to deliver, and He doesn't. So in our American version of Christianity, what are you going to say to them? 
That, that's what happens when you go overseas and you start proclaiming the gospel. It's the reason that over the last 10 years, and I've said this more than once, if you can't take the gospel that you believe in and preach it overseas, then it's not the right gospel. So when you look at Psalm 121, and it's, a, it's an amazing chapter, let's go there, let's just look at it, right? When you know God the way He wants to be known, it changes everything. I look up, He says, to the mountains. Um, does my help come from there? Not exactly. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. You see, you think about, you think about cultures, right? I, I'm convinced of this. There's very few people who don't believe in anything. Most people believe in something. So some people are believing that the mountains are the answer. There are people who are believing that there is a supreme being. You know, I know there's, there's folks that there's 12-step programs that want to acknowledge a supreme being. But what we believe is not just in a supreme being. We believe in a personal God who wants to be known by you and who already, by the way, knows you. So this is, this is, to me, this is like a statement of confidence when you're looking at um, Psalm 121 as he starts out. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, the one who made heaven and earth, who hung the stars and sky. So here it is. When you know, the God, when you know God the way He wants to be known, you gain greater confidence in Him. Greater confidence. And it's a word we've... Uh, uh, Austin talked about it last week, right? The confident life of the believer. That's one of, that was his statement, right? When you choose faith over fear. And here you guys didn't think I listened to that stuff when I wasn't here. So the, in the confident life of the believer, like this is how it begins. Faith over fear, you're choosing it. The confident life of the believer gets to this place where, man, you know who God is and you are walking confidently in it so that you can say like the psalmist says, um, where does my help come from? I know where my help comes from. My help doesn't come from my pocketbook. My, my help doesn't come from my checkbook. It doesn't come from my credit cards. It doesn't come from my retirement plan. It doesn't come from my parents. It doesn't come from my children. My help comes from the Lord who, who made heaven and earth. And this is where, you know, we talk about, I, I mentioned Old Testament, New Testament, Old Covenant, New Covenant. Old, old Covenant, like, Man, there is some crazy stuff that happened. I mean, David writes in the Psalms and he's being chased and people want his life. And I, mean, I don't know that any of our lives have ever been in danger before. But that's, that's like the world David's living in. He's going, but I am confident in who God is. I am confident in His promises. And here's the question for you. Is that the way that you know God? So, so that as, as you're walking in this world, you know Him in a way that speaks to you having a greater confidence in Him. And this is what it looks like, right? So he uses the word, right, my help. My help. Um, help comes from the Lord. And, and when I think about it, I think about all the places in the New Testament for me. I, I think about, you know, the way that we pray. We, we pray we're pretty selfish people just throwing that out there like we pray selfish prayers we always want god to fix something to repair something and i'm not saying you shouldn't pray for those things but at the end of the day what prayer should be doing is it should be um, tuning our heart with his 
See, when we, when we have this confidence in him, we know, like, we know what you're going through may not go away. But when you're saying, my help comes from the Lord, you realize, I, I know that the Lord is going to help me get through this. And it may take a while. We want it to be gone instantly, right? Instant gratification, this world that we live in today. We want it, I want it gone, I want it gone, I want it gone. And God's going, um, that doesn't work that way. I'm not a genie in a bottle. Like you're not rubbing the lamp and getting just wishes along the way. But my help in what you're going through comes from the Lord. So, yep, people, you know, in David's world, people may come to this place and they're trying to attack him and kill him and take his throne and all of those things. And he's going, but I know that God is my help. I know that he's my help. You, go, you, you might go through seasons where you, you know, you're out of work and maybe seasons where your family's in disarray and just life is not what you dreamed it would be. Like All of those things are very real in our life. But at the end of the day, um, the fact that your help comes from the Lord means that He's walking with you through the struggle. He's not necessarily delivering you from it. He can. He's able... And I believe that with all of my heart. But what I'm learning in my life is just because He can and just because He is able doesn't mean that He's going to. Because what He wants to do in my heart is way more important than what He wants to do with me physically. And so He's, he's after this. He's changing this in us. So I look to the mountains. My help comes from the Lord. When you know God the way He wants to be known, you have greater confidence in Him. He, sa- he says this in verse 3, right? 3 and 4. He says, He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers nor sleeps. Now this is one of those, again, it's, it's a, a challenging way to look at it. But, but think about what he is saying, right? Remember, it's all going together. Um, if my help comes from the Lord, then what you want to do is when you're walking in confidence with him, then you, you know when it says he will not let you stumble, right? You've got to understand he's, he's got you. And I, I, believe, I believe in God's providence, and, and I, I believe in God's sovereignty, And so I believe that God has you right where He wants you. I do. Um, Even if you think you got there on your own. Like that's the the God that I have confidence in, the God that I want you to have confidence in, is the God that you realize that even when when you made a mistake and you completely blew it, God's like, I got it. It's gonna, it's, look, walk with me on this journey. And I've, listen, I've made a lot of mistakes along the way. Anybody else just want to put your hand up right now so we can have a little group therapy together? Like, we've made a lot of mistakes along the way. And God, listen, God already knew. He, he knew the mistakes that you had made. It's, and that's, that's what I love about this, this part of this, where he says, the one who watches over you will not slumber. Uh, indeed, he who watches over Israel never sleeps nor slumbers. Now, the interesting thing is, um, way back when this is being written, 
Um, some people believed in gods, little g-gods, that's what I would say. Some people believed in gods that did take a nap. In, in fact, it, it would be said that, that some, when, when there were groups of people who would call on these little g-gods, that, that God would get angry with them because they disturbed their nap. Like a parent does when kids come in. Amen? And, and what the psalmist wants those who follow Jesus, and at that time, those who are following after the Lord, to realize is that um, God's not out taking a nap. There's, there's nothing that happened in your life that caught Him by surprise. It, it's not that he, he went and took a 15-minute power nap. My grandfather used to take, he loved 15-minute power naps. He'd go, he, he told me one time, and he, he said, I love to go in my room, 15-minute power nap, and I put my feet up on a pillow. And he just he says, and then I'm good to go for the rest of the day. I mean, he may have done that at 10 in the morning. I don't know for sure, but that's just... That, but, but the point that the psalmist is saying is that the God that we believe in, the God that we serve, he, he's not taking a nap. He's, he's intimately acquainted with your ways. He's... He's intimately acquainted with who you are. I read from Psalm 139 a little bit ago. The very first part of it talks about how we've been knit together in our mother's womb. Do you remember that part of the psalm? He, he knows you. He, he even knows your tendencies. Like, he, he knows. Like, if you're somebody, I'm not going to ask you to show hands because most of us would raise our hands. And if we didn't, we're probably lying, but... I mean, we worry about things, don't we? We worry, we worry, we worry, we worry. He knows you worry about things. Like, he knows your default. It's not a surprise to him. He's like, I got it. I got it. I got it. I'm going to use that. I'm not going to take it away, right? All of us have scars, don't we? We're carrying these scars with us. And he's going, I'm going to use that to mold and shape you into the person that I want you to be. So, so it looks like this. So when you know God the way He wants to be known, um, you experience, and this is the word, I just, I just, I'm struggling with this word, I want to be honest with you. You experience the care of the Lord. And the reason I'm struggling with that word is, is because of the things that, that I've seen in this world. The things that, that I hear about in this world. And how, how do you talk about the care of the Lord? And so I'm, I'm just going right to this, that, that God, God, God knows. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean he's, he's happy with it. It doesn't mean like that, that he's thrilled with uh, maybe a decision that you made or, or something that you did or somebody did to somebody. Like that's not what I'm talking about. What I am talking about is he knows. He knows, and he knows the pain, he knows the hurt, he knows the agony, he knows betrayal, he knows sacrifice, he knows, I mean, he knows all of those things. And he's walking with us through it every step of the way. And, and because, and this is the thing you've got to realize, because in the scriptures, um, God is not a puppet master. And he allowed sin to enter into the world because he allowed man to have choices. And with sin comes tragedy. 
And he's going, I'm going to be with you. Is it going to hurt? More than you could ever imagine. But he cares. He cares. So he doesn't, he doesn't take a nap. He knows who you are. He knows your tendency. He's going, I'm, I'm with you. There's some, sometimes there's awful consequences to our actions. And we have to pay for those consequences. But it doesn't mean that God removes himself from us. And that's really what, what you want to see in all of it. He's still, he's still there. He's still there. When you know him the way he wants to be known, that you will, you will begin to experience his care in a way that you weren't really quite sure about before. And, and you start going through some things that you, you wouldn't really wish on anybody. And when you, when you know him the way that he invites you to know him, it's amazing how you go through those things and, and you, you have this, it's what Paul would describe, I have this peace that passes all understanding. Even, even though, yeah, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And some of you are walking through that valley but because of the presence and care of the Lord, you're going, it, it, it's not quite as scary as I thought it was going to be. It's not quite as scary as I thought it was going to be. Verse 5 through 8. It says this, The Lord himself watches over you. He stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. And then that's, that's it. So, so let me just talk about these three things. When you know God the way He wants to be known, you experience, and here's the word, the covering of the Lord. The covering of the Lord. And, and three things that, that you see, right? And, and the first is Relief. He, he talks about this protective shade. You, you, know, it's, you know when you're out in the sun, out in the sun, out in the sun, it's like you step into the shade for a minute. You're like, oh, that feels so good. And, that, and that's, what I, that's what I think about. It's like you, it, you, there's, there's this relief that's, that's happening, right? We live in a, a little bit of a humid climate, so consider it. Maybe, maybe it's going from the outdoors to our American version of Christianity in the air conditioning. Right? And so, you know, it's like, oh, this feels so good. And I, I love air conditioning, by the way. Just throwing that out there. Um, and so it, it, that, that's part of it. It's like this relief from these things that are just beaten down on you. And honestly, that's a, that's a big part of life for a lot of people. Like, it just feels like life's just beating them up, beating them up, beating them up. Have you ever had that? you ever had that time in your life where it's like one thing happens and, and it's like, okay, well, that seems weird. And then right after it happens another thing, and you're like, huh. And then that third thing happens, and then that fourth thing happens, and you're like, man, the hits just keep on coming. Anybody? Just me? I know somebody, 
dealing with that right now. And God's going, come to me. Come on. You'll find, you'll find relief from what seems to be relentless. You'll find the, the word that I find also is refreshing. Right? Not just, not just relief, but now there's just this refreshing that comes from His presence. Like you're in His presence and you're like, there's just something about being with Him. Right? There, he is with us all the time, but there's just something about that intentional time. It, it's like... It's like if you're married, right? And you have, you, you know, you've got kids. And my wife and I have five kids in our house. And sometimes it's just like somebody needs something all the time, needs something all the time. And they never come to me. They always go to mom. I don't know why. They'll come looking for mom. Where's mom? Where's mom? Where's mom? I'm like, I'm hiding in the closet. What can I do for you? They're like, well, and they, they sort of almost want to tell me what's going on. And usually it's like, yeah, you can, go, you can take a shower. That's fine. We, that's one of our jokes in our family. It's always okay to take a shower, especially the boys. Um, just throwing that out there. But they, they feel like they've got to ask mom, 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 mom. But, but then it's like when, when my wife and I get a chance to get away from the kids, there's this refreshing. Now we miss the kids a little bit. But there's refreshing that comes. And the same is true of our relationship with the Lord. If, you, if you're someone, and maybe you go through seasons and times where you're not as intentional about walking with God as you should be, and then, and then all of a sudden you open up the Bible, and, and it's, you're going, man, it's like He's speaking to me. And guess what? He is. And then the more you spend reading, the more your soul's refreshed. Refreshed, refreshed, refreshed. It's like that cold bottle of water on a hot day. Like, oh, it's refreshing. In fact, the Peter, uh, I was telling somebody this recently, that Peter was a mess. But as he preached those first sermons, he looks at these Israelite and, and religious leaders. He says, you are the ones that put the Son of God to death on the cross. And most of us are like, that's right, go get him, Peter. And then he says this, he says, so repent and return so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. You're like, yeah, that's who God is. So come on, come to me. That's why Jesus, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest for your souls that, that we all need. There's that refreshing that comes from His presence. And then the last thing is, is the word protection. And that's a hard one. And here's, here's why it's hard. Has something bad ever happened to you at the hands of somebody else? I would imagine for most of us in this room that it has. And so where does that fit in your theology when you read a verse like this? When you read these verses and you're going, but all these things happened to me. Some of you experienced horrendous abuse, I would, 
I would think there's people in this room. I think statistics would say there's probably many people in this room that have, have endured and maybe are currently enduring awful abuse. So how do you, how do you reconcile when it says that God will protect you? How do you, how do you reconcile with what's going, what's going on? And this is what we're struggling with. You know, we're in Ecuador and unspeakable things are happening to children and nobody cares. And it's not just in Ecuador. It's, it's in your neighborhood. It's across the street. How, how, do we, how do we tell them that God knows and that He cares and that He loves them? And I'll be honest, I'm not quite sure. All I know is that the more I know Him, the more confident I am in who He is. And, and honestly, all of us have to get to a place where we can experience that for ourselves. I can tell you that Jesus knows all the pain and all of the agony and all of the hurt that we could ever go through. Because that's what the writer of Hebrews told us. And so when we say that He protects us, it doesn't mean that He protects us physically. It means that He protects us spiritually. John 17, in one of the last places, you may want to just jot that address down, one of the last prayers that Jesus prays. He's praying to the Father and He says, Father, I've, I've kept all of them except for the one that prophetically was supposed to betray him. He says, now I'm going to send them out into the world and, and the world's not going to like them. Did you know that? For some reason, I think we're, we're trying to make the world like us. And I want to tell you, I, I don't think the world's going to like us. We're following Jesus the way we're supposed to follow Jesus. They're going to look at us and they're going to think you're weird. And you are. But then he says in Ephesians 6, which is verse 10, Paul finishes writing this letter and he says, here's a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. I just, I've I've said this many times. I remember just when my kids were little and we'd go to the beach and the kids, the waves would beat them up, beat them up, beat them up. But if they stood against my legs and stood on my feet and they had a firm foundation, right? Those waves would come and it didn't, it didn't overtake them. And that's what I think of when I think of stand firm in the Lord and His mighty power is that, listen, you're not going to be able to endure the things that you will endure in this world in your own strength and in your own might. You, you just, you won't be able to do it. So 
So stand firm in the Lord and His mighty power. He is your protector that way. He will give you what you need in those moments. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, against evil spirits in heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time, in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Isn't that good? Yeah, come on, let's... let's. So when we sing a song, Travis and I don't always talk about music and worship planning. I give him a text sometimes. And here you go. But think about the song we sing. He fights for me. He always has. He always will. He's my victory. I lift my eyes up. Where does my help come from? My help comes from. He's not going to allow your foot to slip. You're going to have firm footing when you're standing in Him. So stand firm in the Lord and in His mighty power. Listen, I want to tell you this, and, and I'm going to stop and we're going to sing. Whatever it is, even if it's, even if it's unspeakable what you are going through, you need to know that God, God knows. He, he cares. And if you will stand firm in Him, if you will stand firm in Him, right? That's what He's talking about. Stand firm. Stand firm. Don't, don't allow what's happening to you to be that foothold the devil gets on you. Realize that these things are happening, yes, and they're awful, they're awful, they're awful. Jesus knows the same things happened to him as he was betrayed, as, as we just celebrated communion together, as he breathed his last, as he hung on the cross, as he was beaten for you, as he was betrayed by, for you. All of those things, all of those things. So lift your eyes up. Your help's not coming from the, the mountains, right? It's not coming from other little G gods and the things that maybe you have depended on in the past. Your help is coming from the Lord your God who made heaven and earth. And he's got you. He's got you. He's got you. I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing. But if you're here today and, and maybe you are going through some things and you have some questions, I, I would like to talk to you. Love to. Maybe you're here today and you're just not quite sure about this God that we're talking about. And I would love the chance to tell you about him too. Because when you know him the way he wants to be known, it changes everything. It really does. So let me pray. Father, thank you so much for the truth of your word. Father, there's things that are, are hard for us to reconcile. 
you are the Lord our God. You are unchanging. You are all-powerful and all-knowing. And while we don't, we don't understand all of your ways, and we don't understand all of the things that are happening around us and all of the things that are happening to us. And so, God, because we don't understand all of those things, we just want to just say we're going to trust you. And we're going we're gonna to walk in confidence in who you are and what you're doing. Because your ways aren't our ways and your thoughts are not our thoughts. You're God and we are not. And so we're not going to trust in other things, but we're going to trust in you. Even when we don't have all of the answers. And even when we can't necessarily explain it, we're going to trust you. Because I believe, God, that when we know you the way that you want to be known, that it does change everything. And I pray that you would help us as your people to just walk in that, to open your word, to be encouraged and challenged by it, and to get to know you, to become more intimately acquainted with who you are so that we can have greater confidence as we walk in this world. God, thank you that you care about us. Thank you that you're, you're not caught off guard. You didn't take a nap. Thank you that just as we sing these songs, as we're reminded of just how awesome you are. I pray that you'd help us as we leave here in what feels like a place of safety. And we walk out into this world in a place that doesn't necessarily like us we would still be the light in the midst of the darkness for your glory, for your honor. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.